Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton. Welcome to Schooled with the Professor. Pleased to be joined by Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com to talk about the draft, what's going on in the NFL, and uh, love the piece that you did this week. Uh, pretty much you had everybody making trades. But before we get into <laughs> some of the ideas, uh, is that, uh, first of all, how do you think trades are going to be affected? Because you know, I counted it up since 2017. You know, That's when the compensatory picks were tradable. There's been an average of 37 draft day trades uh, each year, mm-hmm. and 23 of them come on the uh, day three, which when you have a five-minute rounds from three to six and a four-minute round in uh, round seven, I think there's going to be a big diminishing of the third-day third trades, but still I think it's going to mm-hmm. hold up in the first two days. Yeah, it's really interesting, John, because I think it's it, this is such an unknown draft, right? I mean, we just, you know, everything at least I'm hearing, and I'm sure you have a lot more people, you know, on the other end than I do, but, um, you know, it's just, just how uncertain everyone is about this draft, right? You know, there just hasn't been that sort of, you know, uh, lengthy evaluation process. We don't have medical information uh, on some guys, the extent that most teams are comfortable with. So we could see players falling to unexpected places. We could see players getting picked in unexpected players, uh, places. And then, of course, we have this sort of uncertain technological landscape uh, when it comes to doing the draft remotely that, you know, I, I think we're going to see you know, some coaches and some GMs and, and some owners who are a little overwhelmed because it's just something that's out of the ordinary for them. And so, you know, maybe the, the five minutes they would have spent, uh, you know, negotiating a trade or calling up some teams to see what they can get might not be as feasible because they're just trying to figure out the logistics and, and trying to get comfortable with, with, with scouting, you know, going through their data and, and sort of getting on the phone with the right people. So uh, I, I think it's really going to be difficult to gauge. My, my instinct is that, we're still going to see a fair amount of trades, but I think it's going to be very tough to trade players during the draft, which does occasionally happen. And I do think it's going to be difficult to, uh, you know, sort of have as many moves, like you said, over the course of a three-day period, I think, as you typically would. Yeah, no question. And, of course, I mean, well, last year, I mean, what it, it was the, almost the first half of the draft, there was no trades. It does look like there's going to be a few in the first, say, 15. And I guess the big one is, what do you see happening, you know, with Detroit? And because you've got the situation with Tua having the problems mm-hmm. that he has with uh, the hip and that. And I think the Chargers are more affected by that than the Dolphins. But there's still no guarantee mm-hmm. that even if you know, you got the Chargers trading up to Detroit, that you could see, uh, you know, uh, that because I think they'd take Justin Herbert. But wh- how do you mm-hmm. see that shaking out? Yeah, I mean, I think the Lions are sort of in the catbird seat, right? You know, I, I think they obviously want to get – one of the defensive pieces from this draft, I think there was, you know, going to be three or four, you know, core defensive talents at the top of the draft. And I think they want to draft one of those guys. Their defense has been a mess uh, under Matt Patricia the past couple of years, and they can move down to five or six and still get one of those guys. If you assume the giants are, are going to take a tackle at four, which I still think is the most likely pick uh, for Dave Edelman at four. So um, the Lions are kind of in a, you know, a risk-free situation, right? If, if they don't, they need help pretty much everywhere on defense, so they can go out and, and, and wait for you know, Isaiah Simmons or uh, Jeff Akuda and then get that guy at five or six, trade down, get an extra pick, an extra one or two in the process, and then sort of you know have that pick available for the highest bidder. And I think if you are a team like the Dolphins and you're sitting here and saying, well, we don't really want to attangle by a lot, which is a possibility. Uh, let's say they want Justin Herbert. Well, 
even if they think there's a decent shot of him getting to five, are you going to run that risk of letting the Chargers get ahead of you to draft that guy? Are you going to run the risk of, you know, a team like the Jags, if they want to, with, with all those draft picks, move up from nine to go to three and get that guy? I, I don't think you can really feel totally comfortable with that if you're the Miami Dolphins. So I, I, I think this the Lions are handling this really well, and I think that they're in a position where whether it be on draft night or whether it be a couple of days before, they're probably going to make a trade with the highest bidder to move down somewhere in that top 10. Yeah, of course, and that's what uh, Bob Quinn was saying on Friday, is that uh, you know if he is going to make a trade, he'll make that trade in the afternoon before the draft, not doing it on the clock, just to make things a little bit easier. And the one thing that is mm-hmm. kind of unique about this is that you know how all those Bill, Bill Belichick guys you know stick together and keep in touch? Well, here's Miami. you got Brian Flores. I mean, he can keep in touch mm-hmm. with Patricia, or he can keep in touch with uh, Bob Quinn to say, hey, here, here's, what do we have going on with uh, the Chargers? So they'll have the knowledge if necessary Mm -hmm. absolutely and and, you know i think that's going to come into play because at the end of the day i mean the dolphins have more to offer than the chargers do in terms of draft pick capital especially this year uh the the, the dolphins have more of a need given that you figure tyrod taylor is probably a better starter maybe they're probably in the same tier tyrod taylor and ryan fitzpatrick but two veterans who you figure uh are going to be in position to compete and then uh, the Dolphins are a team that, you know, suddenly that division looks kind of wide open after Tom Brady left the Patriots. The Patriots are, if not rebuilding, they're retooling. I think it's fair to say that defense has certainly taken a step backwards given the losses they had over the offseason. The Bills, obviously the favorites, I think, to win the division at this point, but a team that does have a quarterback who is very inconsistent. Uh, the Jets, who knows? I mean, the Jets, uh, you know, who, who would have expected the Jets to have the year they had last year, and they still managed to improve, and then the Dolphins added a ton of talent this offseason. They could be sitting here saying, hey, if we get our guy, we get Justin Herbert, we surround him with a left tackle later in the draft, and we get you know, uh, the defense we're expecting to get in 2020, they might be a feasible contender for the AFC East. So uh, there's a lot writing, I think, on what happens over the next few days. Oh, yeah, no question. And that's where it's kind of interesting because in the AFC, because, you know, as it stands right now, uh, I'm counting if they go with Jared Stidham with New England, you've got nine AFC quarterbacks in their rookie contracts. And, you know, that's you don't know how good some of these guys are. And, you know, only five. And what you wonder about is that the three teams in the AFC most likely taking quarterbacks up top, you know, Cincinnati, uh, the Chargers in Miami, if that ends up happening, you know, I just wonder how much those guys are going to be able to play in the that's going to minimize some of the value because you know if you have a truncated season, a shortened season, mm-hmm. if you you know you're not you may have a shortened training camp, no offseason program for the quarterbacks. It's at least live where you can actually work with players. Uh, you know how how much are you going to be able to get out of these quarterbacks the first year? Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge story, John. As the season goes on, assuming we have something resembling a normal season, is especially not just not just those young quarterbacks, but also. What about these new coaches? I mean, think about the Browns, right, where you have uh, Kevin Stefanski coming in, and, and he's installing a new offense for the Browns with new players. Um, some of them aren't going to be there. Jarvis Landry is uh, you know, recovering from hip surgery and might be out for the entirety of the offseason, whether they practice or not. I, I think you're going to have those teams who are you know, installing new schemes or, or using new coordinators or using new head coaches or adding significant talents, to your point, like, like one of these young quarterbacks, they're going to be at a disadvantage at the end of the day. There's not going to be that familiarity, that comfort that you would hope for, especially early in the season. So um, 
you know, I, I do think that at the end of the day, if you're drafting a Joe Burrow or a Justin Herbert, you are drafting them for, you know, for the long haul. You're drafting them hoping he's going to be your guy for the next 10 years. But I, I do think that's a really good point in there in that, you know, uh, maybe you aren't going to have that sort of immediate impact, that immediate jump you might get from landing on the right guy at the top of the draft. Yeah, no question. In fact, we already got the first tip-off with one of the five new coaches, Ron Rivera. He makes a fifth-round trade for Kyle Allen, and even though Dwayne Haskins is there, he's pretty much saying that Kyle Allen has the best chance to start. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, uh, obviously Kyle Allen had an up-and-down season for the Panthers. He, you know, looked great at the beginning of that run when they were winning football games, and I think as sort of teams realized we can put the game on him, and, and sort of, you know, ask him to make big plays. He wasn't able to do that. Uh, sacks were a big concern. Fumbles were a big concern for Kyle Allen last year. Um, but this is an organization in Washington that, you know, outside of ownership, has no loyalty to that quarterback. I mean, and, and you know, I, I do think that when Ron Rivera came in, uh, one of the things he probably got from Daniel Snyder was the ability, at least in the short term, to make football decisions like this. So, uh, Dwayne Haskins, I think a guy who, you know, didn't really have it fair last year, not having Trent Williams hurt, that offensive line was beat up, there were injuries at tight end. Um, you know, he had Terry McLaurin, who's great, but very little running game. You know, I, I think he's someone who you have to be willing to invest in for at least another year to kind of see what he can be. But if you're Ron Rivera, you might not have any interest in doing that. That's a sunk cost at this point uh, when it comes to Dwayne Haskins being a first-round pick. So I think they might be sitting here saying, hey, you know, if we can – get Chase Young, we can rebuild this defense quickly. Uh, we could be a winning football team if we can just get competent quarterback play and maybe Kyle Allen's floor is higher than Dwayne Haskins. I don't think we know at this point. No, that's, that's true. What, what Of the trades that you were kind of going over, which ones do you think have a reasonable chance of happening? Oof, that's a good question. I, I can give you one that I think is not reasonable and is not going to happen, but yeah. I think is very fun to talk about, uh, is the Dak Prescott trade, where yeah. the idea of Dak Prescott going to the Miami Dolphins um, basically under the logic of the Cowboys on one side, not being comfortable paying Dak Prescott what he's expecting, um, which is only going to go up in the years to come, given that you expect the salary cap to rise over the next couple of years. And you don't want to get stuck in that Kirk Cousins situation where you have a guy who you're franchising thinking, hey, if I just get franchised twice, I'm going to hit the market and be a totally unrestricted free agent and get an enormous amount of money. That has been a disaster for Washington. They had to had, they used a second-round pick to try and trade for Alex Smith. That contract didn't work, obviously, because of injuries. Had to use a first-round pick on Dwayne Haskins. We don't know if that's going to work. Um, they only got a third-round pick for Kirk Cousins as a compensatory selection. So at the end of the day, I think if you're – uh, if you're the Cowboys and you just think, hey, we're not going to be able to sign Dak Prescott. We just don't think he's worth the money. At some point, you got to make a trade. At some point, you don't want to be stuck getting that third round compensatory pick for him. So uh, I think I could see a possibility where they end up going out and, and, and sort of making a trade. I don't think it's likely, obviously. I don't think it's going to happen in the next few days. But my logic was basically, you know, if the Dolphins want to compete now, they have the money to pay Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys would be able to trade up get a quarterback in the future and kind of build around their running game while they don't have to put a ton of pressure on that young quarterback to succeed. Now, obviously, uh, I don't think it's likely, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Oh, now, question. Yeah. one trade, sorry? You're good. So one, one trade I do think kind of makes sense, and I could see given how these teams are approaching things. I think about the 49ers, who have two first-round picks. They don't have a, a two, a three, or a four, if I'm mistaken. But I think in most cases, most teams in that situation would trade down. But the Niners, of course, came within a couple plays of winning the Super Bowl last year, a team that um, 
you know, uh, did that trade to Forrest Buckner, a team that we know loves defensive line talent, loves adding uh, enormous talented weapons for, for Kyle Shanahan and for Jimmy Garoppolo. I wonder if they do trade up. I have a trade with them going to uh, seven from 13, giving up seven, giving up, sorry, 13 and 31, and getting seven and a fourth round pick, 113 back from the Panthers. Maybe they trade up and they go after a Jerry Judy or they go after a Derek Brown. Like, okay, if we can get that one player who can make an impact immediately on our team, we can win a Super Bowl. Because I think that's a story that a lot of teams can't tell themselves. But the Niners, from what we saw last year, can probably convince themselves that's at least a reasonable approach to this year's draft. Well, that's the one thing is that, uh, you know, at least with Kyle Shanahan, I think he can take any of the top three receivers and get, making the Buckner trade put him in a position, you know, whether it's going to be Judy, whether it's going to be, you know, the speed demon you can get. I mean, you can get any of this because I think when they made that trade, their thinking was we're sitting there pretty much maybe getting the second wide receiver, you know, figuring that the Raiders mm-hmm. may take one at 12. But uh, but now I think there's a possibility that Denver could trade up to maybe nine or 10 to maybe get their choice mm-hmm. of wide receivers because you know if, if the jets take one you know they may not get the wide receiver at all and so i can see that where if san francisco at 31 you know they can trade down get a defensive tackle uh, the question mm-hmm. is what teams because you know san francisco sitting there at 31 and you got seattle probably trading down four other teams maybe thinking about trading down and so the question i ask what teams do you think in the in the second round would be willing to trade up Mm, that's a good question. You know, I, I look at the teams sort of at, at that top tier, the teams that are, uh, you know, in those, those first few spots in, in the 33 to 39 or 33 to 40 range. You know, could you see the Bengals training up? I mean, this is a, a Bengals team that has been very uh, sort of different from the Bengals we expected from years past, right? They spent a bunch in free agency, uh, which I don't think, I, I know, I certainly didn't see that coming. I mean, that's not goes against their history entirely. Um, you know, you could see them maybe moving up to get that sort of piece for Joe Burrow, whether it be another offensive lineman, whether it be a wide receiver, moving up to sort of get in the bottom of the first round. The Colts, who don't have a first-round pick but have two second-round picks, no, they love having those extra picks. But um, this is a team that I think they're, they're more concerned about winning now with Philip Rivers than they were this time last year with Andrew Luck and then with Jacoby Brissett. So if they see a spot to grab a guy, they have 34 and 44, that gives them a good chance to move up into the, you know, somewhere pretty reasonable in the first round. Uh, the Giants, a team that's traded up a bunch in years past, they, this is a must-win, I think, year in some ways for Dave Gettleman. Uh, I, I do think there are major questions about that defense and maybe a, a piece to add in that rusher at the end of the first round if they do go tackle uh, at four. And then, you know, I, I think the Chargers and, um, you know, the possibly the Jags, if a quarterback does fall and they don't take a quarterback with their first pick, well, you know, I could see them moving up from, from the second round and trying to get into, you know, that 27 to 32 range to get someone. If, you know, if for some reason, say, a Jordan Love does fall that far, which I don't think is likely, but, uh, or, or Jacob Beeson maybe uh, might be another option where, you know, if it's the right quarterback at the right price point, uh, I think we've seen in the past teams may move up to make that trade. And it's turned out in the case of Lamar Jackson and Teddy Bridgewater at least reasonably well. And then finally, one guy that you know probably is going to trade is John Snyder, who has a 27th pick. Mm-hmm. I know he has to resolve the defensive end problem, but uh, what do you see John Snyder doing? Uh, because again, you know, he's, I counted up, he's had 25 de- draft day trades, and he hasn't been able to take a pick at the pick that he was given uh, since, what, 2011. He's traded down just about every year <laughs> or traded out. 
That's so funny. Yeah, he, he you know, we, we know he does one of two things typically. He either trades down or he trades his first-round pick for a veteran. And I think, you know, I, I, are both those things on the table this year? I think so. I mean, could this be a situation where they consider trading for Yannick Ngakwe? Maybe. You know, I, I don't think that it's the most likely outcome, but I do think it's not out of the question given their needs up front. Um, could see them trading down. I think that's more likely, obviously, um, out of the 27th spot. I mean, last year, they traded their pick. I, I tried to calculate it. They got like six or seven picks out of out of the one first rounder they traded, which um, the most notable one was DK Metcalf came out of that trade. But, um, you know, I, I think John Schneider is someone who I'd be fascinated to see what he thinks about this draft in terms of uh, the point we talked about earlier when it came to trading up and trading down. Does he feel like he can be as flexible as he would be in a typical year? Um, I, I think probably he will be, but you know, I think that that could be a situation where they do trade down, uh, maybe into that that 34 to 42 range, try to get one of those picks, and then maybe a pick in the second or third round. I think this is a team that, you know, they do need to add a pass rusher. Right? That, that's, that's patently obvious. Even though there still is, hey, Jason Clowney, Emerson Griffin are still out there as free agents. But I do think this is a team that would love to add a piece on the defensive line, and even given their addition, still a piece on the offensive line, I think they could do something with more upside as they added a lot of depth, but there are still question marks about that offensive line. So if they could add one of the sort of second tier tackles uh, in that 34 to 42 range, I think they would feel pretty comfortable about trading down and, and hopefully adding, you know, kind of two second, third round pieces to that roster. Read Bill Barnwell at ESPN.com. And of course, what about your podcast? Well, it's the Bill Barnwell Show. Um, you know, it's we're always trying to do football stuff. Obviously, it's a uh, it, it is a difficult issue, I suppose, at some points right now. But this week, I believe we did uh, a redraft of the twenty nineteen NFL twenty nineteen uh, sorry the twenty nineteen NFL draft, the first sixteen picks with Lindsey Jones of the Athletic, and then talked a little bit about the Christian McCaffrey signing, which I think is really interesting. I think it's just a you know uh, it's such a difficult conundrum for teams who have these talented running backs for and then what they can do because they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. No question. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor, and stay safe. Thanks, John. It's an honor. I'm always happy to come on. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.